inspire. Welcome back to Relentless, the show about what it takes to make it as an entrepreneur, especially in the wild west of NFTs. I'm your host, Jeff Zaris, and normally right here, Jack Davidson, Bad Fruit would jump in, but he's not with us today. Today, I have a special guest and guest host, um, Chaz Invalid Bite. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I know it's always sort of weird because we have this like proper podcast intro and everything. So the pre-show thing just... Uh, we're talking a minute ago and then we're talking here again. But yeah, this is just sure, how yeah. we do it. But yeah, I really appreciate you. Like I mentioned before, appreciate you taking the time. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Chad Invalid Byte on Twitter, like he's definitely a great follow. He's hosting a lot of shows. And oh, I absolutely just wanted to mention for anyone who's watching this later, this is going to be the first episode where I have an avatar beside me. But his uh, Invalid Byte, Chad, is it okay if I'm calling you Chaz? Would you rather Invalid yeah, Byte? Yeah, hey, hey, you know what, Jeff? Um, you can call me Chaz because that's my name in real life. Okay, yeah. So, um, but Chaz has, as you can see if you're in the space right now or watching later, the number one, he is the, has the title of number one fan runner, which is pretty amazing. And I was trying to compete, but I could not whatsoever. But that's from the, uh, the Fainsters, the, that, the, it's just an awesome project. You'll see it on the video or you see it in his profile right now. But actually, so I'm just saying that is like flashing back so much like memories for me. Uh, I think that competition uh, was back in November uh, that Jeff's referring to uh, in the Fangang community. Uh, they released a pixel project and they released a game, a speedrunner game, and everyone was competing for first place. And First place got the NFT that I'm rocking right now and an arcade stick. And the the next time I come on a Relentless um, and I'm actually on camera, I'll, I'll I'll show you. It's it's in my room. It's it's a trophy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was definitely a prize to uh, chase after. As soon as I saw that, I was just like, uh, I wish I had some sort of uh, some sort of ability here to even compete. But yeah, it's so much fun. I really love what they did. They have an amazing project and the uh yeah the what speed runner however you want to refer to it like it's just a fun throwbacky pixel art game that i really i played that way more than i would have ever anticipated and you know you know what i loved about that and kind of the embodiment of the space is it's about having fun and that's what drew me into it obviously there's people that are here for the art here for the quick flips um i'm here for the fun and, uh, you know, it, sometimes things aren't as fun in a bear market, like uh, this extended bear market we're in right now. Um, but I have fun in other ways. Uh, so that's why I've been building stuff. And uh, it, seems, it seems like you and me share a very similar interest in terms of building and working on ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that is so important. That's sort of like key to who I am. And to me, sort of my purpose, my goal in life is growth. That's, that's really what it comes down to for me. Yeah, and... And since you have that mind's eye that um, I'm thinking uh, you, uh, Jack, and myself have, uh, we see a lot of untapped potential, especially in this space, um, even during downtrends. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's sort of, that's what I want to lead into in just a moment, because I, I title this space, what, Untapped Opportunities for Non-Artists and Developers, because like we sort of look at artists and developers as being the people who can create these uh these worlds these platforms and build in this space but there is so much untapped opportunity absolutely everywhere it's it's wild because like i come from the entrepreneur space so i see all the things that haven't even really reached here yet 
And I'm I'm just excited because we are it's so oversaid and overdone that we're so early. But I'm just excited to see how this space grows and and matures over time because it's it's so just the start of the runway of where we're going. So, um, Jeff, I met you a few months back. Mm -hmm. We never got super into it, um, but maybe you could give me a little rundown about who you are and the world you come from. I know you've worked on documentaries. Um, you're an entrepreneur yourself. I'm an entrepreneur as well outside of this space. Uh, maybe you could give me a little rundown about who you are. I bet the audience already knows who you are, but um, I, I like to get to know the real Jeff, and then um, I'll, I'll give you a little rundown of who I am as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're flipping the tables. This is normally me. I have another show called Starting Now, which this is a little more like Starting Now, where it's going to be more origin stories and diving into uh, one another. And uh, so I guess we'll start with me. But yeah, I have been doing this full time since uh, this being entrepreneurship since the end of 2009, started 2010, and. I started out purely web design and development and ended up finding this perfect uh, perfect match for me as a business partner in Dave. And he's, he's a much better designer. He's an amazing designer, but he can develop. And I am a developer and I can also design. So together, it just worked out where there was this uh, synergy between us where we really worked. We just worked well so, so well together that we were able to build something that... Uh, Turned out to be pretty good. So we started in the company's called Spire, S-P-Y-R. And over the years, what we have done is we started web design and development. Then we would get uh, deeper relationships with different clients. And the most recognized one is The Minimalist. We've been with them since day one of, of their platform. And that's who we did the Netflix documentary min Minimalism with and various other things. I, so many other things. But um, they're the most recognizable one, I would say. But then we have other ones like Kidney Stone Diet, which we are a part of that platform. We help Jill. She's a nurse who she's been she's been focused on kidney stones and kidney stone prevention for, I think, 23, 24 years now. And she had this platform. And we, I mean, I'm fast forwarding because this is jumping from 2010 to now, what, three or four years ago. But there's a bunch of other things in there. But the things I'm active in now is the Kidney Stone Diet and um, helping her build a full-time business, a full-time revenue from what she was already doing for years. Um, so we stepped in. We helped her do that. And we're part of that team. I have a podcast called Kidney Stone Diet that I host with her. I'm the, the host and fellow student. And then, um, yeah, we have various other clients and partnerships that we work through. But we kind of keep it tight. We don't have too many things going on at once. Like Bad Fruit is basically all me from Spire. Dave is doing his own thing right now. He's actually in New Mexico homesteading and building just from the ground, the literal dirt, the sand up. And um, it's something that he he's wanted to do for a long time. And this was an opportunity where where he could swing it, we could swing it. And yeah, so now I'm here with Bad Fruit, Kidney Stone Diet, and the various other projects. We have our own different platforms like Built and in the past Paleo Porn and all sorts of things. But building brands is really uh, where I come from and what I enjoy doing most. And at its core, that's just problem solving. So I am helping helping people achieve whatever they want to achieve, whether that is through just traditional entrepreneurship, whether it's just improving improving metrics within a, a company, improving a website. It's, just, it's when people ask what I do, I usually say the answer is usually yes. So with Jackie's the artist, and I was like, I can handle all this other stuff to make this brand much better. So it's essentially I take the stuff off his plate, and then um, it's mutually beneficial. This is um, this is pretty great. Uh, I I have a little tiny notepad here that I use when I'm going to the gym. Um, my buddy 
Yeah, I, you know, I used to put stuff on my phone. And he's like, no, you need to get a little notepad and write with a pencil. It makes your, it activates your mind more. You're not as distracted. So I have this little notepad here at my desk. Um, and I took some notes about that and I found um, some cool overlaps. So you said uh, you were a web designer back in uh, 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that was like, I, I graduated high school in uh, 2010 and that was one of my first jobs. I was a web de- designer and I thought that's what I was going to do my entire life. And I did it for a few years and I worked with uh, and a, a teacher, he was, he was like a film teacher I had in high school and then he quit and then he, uh, developed his own company called, uh, TFO media, which was the future of online media. Didn't really take off, but at the time it was pretty exciting. And that's kind of where my journey of entrepreneurship started, where, you know, I saw, you know, this, this peer I looked up to literally drop everything to pursue his idea and his dream. And then, um, you know, bring me along for the ride. Right. So, um, I, I, I worked with him for a little bit. Uh, did the web design stuff. Um, <laughs> and the kidney stone thing is pretty great. I, I'm, you know, I'm surprised I didn't know that about you, but um, uh, I had a buddy in high school too. Uh, his name was Cole. He had like, he would always bring a two liter into class and he would drink it. And I was like, Ooh, that's, that's kind of gnarly, man. And then one day he's like, yeah, I got a kidney stone. I'm like, okay, I'm not drinking soda ever again. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of components that go into that, but um, it's so important because also not to cut you off, but I've done a lot in the health and wellness space. I'm a like registered health coach and this and that, and I had no idea how prevalent kidney stones were and really truly what the cause was. And it's interesting because it's it's sort of a simple set of principles you can follow, but um, yeah, it's very easy to go the health route and end up with a kidney stone when you think you're doing absolutely everything right because there's oh. there's sort of that more health or more of something that's healthy isn't more healthful and that's one of the things that people run into because almonds and spinach are the two the number one and number two or spinach and almonds number one and number two um sort of reasons when it comes to diet that someone will get kidney stones because you see so many people they're like i want to lose weight i want to do this i want to do that and they load up on the spinach, load up on the almonds, because those are the things that are, say, low fat or whatever it is that they're that they're pursuing. Even if you're going with something like a paleo or a keto, you might be loading up on spinach and almonds. But yeah, so, Jeff, what you're trying to tell me is uh, I can drink a two liter of soda whenever I feel like it. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <It'd be okay. laughs> but yeah, yeah, that is the thing. Like those uh, drinks can play a role, but there are a lot of other there's genetic factors always. But there's some other things in there, too, that um yeah, always have to be taken in, into consideration. But fluids, fluids basically, no matter what they are, can help, which is something to, to that's sort of nice to keep in mind. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I would have never thought um, you would get kidney stones going the health food uh, route. That's uh, very interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, another thing, too, that uh, really stood out to me when you were uh, talking to me about who you are, where you come from is... Um, you work with the minimalist. I'm a big minimalist myself. Um, that's cool that you could turn that into an idea that actually works and provides that for other people. But also you were talking about, you know, building and helping others achieve what they want to achieve. Um, early on after I was done with a lot of my entrepreneurial stuff and I went into like working for retail and getting normal jobs. Um, one thing that drew me to a lot of the work that I did was, you know, I was a very techie guy. I I could understand and grasp complex problems a lot. And I was a very social guy too. So I was able to 
you know, regurgitate it and make it easier for people to understand. That started with me in sales when I worked in retail, and then it kind of branched into everything else that I ended up doing in my life. Um, so I've always been drawn to, you know, making complex ideas more easier for people to understand and um, seeing the potential in other people and seeing what can be achieved um, when you just literally just, you know, pat someone on the back and be like, hey, you know what, you got this. Like, there's, you, you could do all these different things and really you kind of open up their mind's eye um, because it's it's very fun when it's open. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we are kindred spirits in all this. <laughs> I mean, we we really pursue very similar paths, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I found it funny. I mean, we, you and me haven't had a lot of deep conversations, but um, we were, you know, drawn to each other a few months ago. And just writing all this down right now, I'm just like, wow, that's funny. Like, we, we overlap in a lot of different areas, and we overlap um, around the same years as well, which is uh, pretty entertaining. Yeah, I it's love really it. fascinating. Yeah. Um, and the only difference sort of with the starting year is I had a day job. So I had a day job for seven years before that. And then finally, it was when they let me go, actually. I was trying to find my way out. And uh, they booted me out the door. And that was actually the best thing that could have happened to me. Because I don't know if I would have taken that first leap. I also, I don't, I never advise people just to jump without having built something. Um, but I'm so glad that I had to. Because it was like two weeks later that I was sort of on this path. And I've been on it ever since. Yeah. And it's... It's on my end, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's, it's learning your limits and learning what you're capable of, just like if you're drinking or doing anything else. Um, when it comes to, you know, opportunity and risk, um, you, you do have to take that leap initially. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, make sure you, you know what you're doing when you jump off. Like, you don't want to go bungee jumping into the bungee cord snaps, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You have to have a little bit of that uh, framework the build up the ground a little bit below you so you know at least where you can start ideally build build a network and a community and have people that you can reach out to because that's where i did benefit is immediately when i lost the job i reached out to people i was already helping and i just reconnected with them i guess i was already connected but i was just like hey can i help you in any way and that led to one thing which led to another which led to me meeting dave through another company and yeah it's just it's so important to get started. So like my other show is called Starting Now and I dive into origin stories. This is sort of a sort of a crossover episode and it's uh, it's interesting to be uh, also sharing my story because I'm never the subject of these. I'm I'm much more of a host. But That's that's what's so great about having a host and a co-host uh, from a different world, right? Um, mm -hmm. I see Shannon and Hack in the audience. Uh, they're hosts as well and we're always like questioning each other and it's cool uh, because sometimes it's nice to have someone else ask you about yourself because then you have that moment of self-reflection right and then you really think back about all the things that you've done up to this point and you're just like wow i'm i'm pretty cool man i'm a pretty cool person <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i go that far but <laughs> i like what you say there um but yeah so i want to dive in more to you and everything you're working on now so outside of nfts uh sort of what does your life look like right now yeah yeah so um uh, kind of tapped on it a little bit. You know, I did the entrepreneurial stuff. I went into retail. Um, I got hooked on the idea of being able to uh, understand all these complex things, whether it comes to a product, technology, et cetera, and, may, and light people up and, and you know, create these uh, wonderful experiences for people that aren't, you know, so on the pulse like I am. Um, so I transitioned from retail into um, experiential type work. So um, I initially started working with a third-party contractor with Google, 
And I started hosting a lot of experimental events for them um, on the West Coast where we'd have activations. People come out, experience a product rather than being sold a product, um, experience a lifestyle, um, all that fun stuff. And all the jobs I've had since then have been uh, related to tech and, uh, you know, creating those genuine experiences. And then I started realizing you, you, you can create a general, uh, an awesome experience for an individual, but it's even better when their friends and family get involved. And then that's when I started getting into community building. And um, I've, I've worked every single job since I had that revelation has just been um, community oriented or running teams. Um, and yeah, uh, the last big job I had was working for Meta and uh, ran a team of about 40 people. And uh, we were just, you know, we're not selling a product, but we were literally showcasing VR and how it could fit into someone's life. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, I, I, I'm just drawn to all that type of work where you can really light up someone's experience. And the more people you do it with, um, the more genuine and more exciting it is. And it kind of transitioned well into Web3. Um, I've been in crypto, gosh, I mean, I, I want to say since 2010, everyone says that, but... <laughs> Um, realistically, I've been in the crypto space probably since 2017, um, and I discovered NFTs uh, through working uh, with a comic book store. So I was working with a comic book store, um, started figuring out, um, you know, there's a whole subculture behind comics um, that is pretty interesting with collectibles, etc. And um, someone, uh, one of the customers I was at the store showed me this app called Vivi, um, which I don't know if anyone's familiar with Vivi. But um, it's a digital app that allows you to buy digital collectibles uh, from your phone, which is pretty cool. And that idea, as soon as the customer showed me that, it clicked with me because I saw all these experiences with customers in the store talking about, you know, man, I got to move all my comics. I got to move all my collectibles. I got to pay a guy. I got to do this. I got to dust it. I got to keep it clean. And then the idea just hit with me. It's like, what if you could just put that all in your pocket? Like, it seems crazy at first, but then the more you think about it, the more of rabbit hole you go down, right? So I, I started going down that journey probably in, um, God, when was it? Um, 2020, February, 20, no, March 2020? March 2020, yeah, mm -hmm, around that time. And um, it's been a wild ride ever since. I felt like Neo at the beginning of The Matrix, just going down the rabbit hole, <laughs> following the white rabbit. I'm just... I've been on that journey ever since, and it's been very fun. And then I took a break over the summer of um, that time, and then I discovered Fangang. And uh, Fangang has been really, really well to me. Um, yeah, I met a lot of quality people through there, and then I realized um, how how I could transition what I do in real life to Web3. And it's it's been way more rewarding uh, than, than actual life, which, is, which has been great. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say... You know, they can't, uh, I, I met a guy named Prince. I don't see him here in the audience, but he was, he was asking like, how can I transition in web three? How can I get a job in web three without, you know, being an artist or developer, et cetera. And when you actually start to think about it, a lot of, a lot of skills you have in real life, they're going towards the internet and they, they actually transition very well. Um, especially in, in my line of work where, um, online events are becoming more prevalent, especially in the metaverse. Um, when Twitter spaces started coming about, you're, you're starting to see digital events be hosted that way. And it's, it's exciting, man. Um, 
I, I don't I don't want to think that, you know, we're going to be in like a Terminator dystopia where everyone's hooked up to the Matrix and they, they can only work online. But I think, you know, uh, there, there's there's a role and opportunity for everyone in the space. You don't necessarily have to be an artist or a developer. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you're bridging that gap. So I, I actually want to touch on After Dark a little bit and what you're doing there and uh, maybe rewind to just where that uh, where that first started, because I know you've been doing uh, Fangsters After Dark or Fangian After Dark, and um, I like I see now that it's grown into your own platform. Yeah. Um, well, luckily, I'm I'm using a tool in the utility box, which is Twitter Spaces. Um, I was never able to get into Clubhouse because it didn't come out for Android when it came out, but I wanted to get into Clubhouse too. But yeah, started with um, Fangsters After Dark. Um, it was initially a conversation between me and a few friends in the Fang game community. We, you know, we were like, Hey, you know, Fangsters, you know, they're not holding spaces. They don't have a podcast. They're not doing anything like that. And we're really interested in the Fang gang project. Maybe we should start a space and hang out and talk about it. Um, in an unofficial official means. <laughs> so we, we did like two or three of those, I think with only a few guys, it was like, like three or four of us just hanging out, having a conversation and, um, the, the, you know, the, uh, Junshi and Paka from the Fangang project, uh, they caught onto it and they're like, Hey, we really like the vibe that you guys are doing. Um, you know, we don't want to host spaces ourselves, but we really like the vibe. So, um, do you think it could be like an unofficial official space? And then, you know, if we have announcements, we can come on and share. I'm like, yeah, man. Um, I, I, I completely get that. And, uh, we started doing, uh, thanks for after dark, uh, once a week for, <laughs> We talked about it in our group chat the other day. It's been more than six months, uh, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, uh, and uh, the idea for After Dark has always kind of been there um, because it originated with the idea we had initially, which is just a couple of us guys hanging out and talking. And I, I, w when creating this project and finally coming out with it during this bear market, the the mission for After Dark is. You know, it's kind of a project made up of other hosts like myself, you, other people I've met in the space, community managers, mods, and just guests. And, you know, I really, really, really wanted to capture that communal feeling you get when a bunch of people are sitting around a campfire, right? And uh -huh. sharing their stories, experiences, etc. Um, it's a very visceral experience and people are um, able to be a little bit more honest when uh, the sun is down, so, <laughs> so it, just, it all seemed to kind uh, kind of come together. And we've been thinking about the idea for months, even when we were doing Fangsters After Dark. And um, this project kind of gives us a little bit more freedom to um, speak with artists and speak with other projects that we've been wanting to talk to without being, um, you know, just fanging related. Um, so that's kind of where where the idea came from, and it's exciting, man. It's uh, it's really cool. It's it's coming together. Yeah, I love it because it grew out of you taking action. And that's something I like, I sort of wind back to practically every week on this show. But I always, I really think that action is the most important part because so many of us can just think of these ideas like, oh, you know, I should start a Twitter spaces one day. I should start this uh, design business one day. But that one day never comes. And you need to really take that first step. And like action yields experience, experience yields opportunity, and it swings back around and opportunity necessitates more action. So it's one of those things that you are the perfect example of that through everything you've done so far, which I really, I just, I love hearing and I love seeing the next step in the progression because it's not like you entered the space in 2020 and you were like, you know, 
I'm going to start something where I host. I, Twitter Spaces wasn't even around yet, but I, I'm yeah, going to start something yeah. where I host live shows for NFTs. Like that isn't like why you were here. And same with me. I wasn't here to team up with an artist and work on a project or help develop any NFT brands or even pivot my main podcast over to NFT artists. But I just loved the space so much. And these opportunities came up because of the action I was taking. So it's just, it's, I think that you're a great example, you and the team, but I mean, you're the one up here right now. So I think you're a great example of taking that action and what can happen from taking those first steps and then the second, the third and continuing. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, I would imagine uh, from your work experience, uh, you've you've managed and led other teams in real life. So, uh, no. So really, oh, no. what we oh, okay. do is, so we are very different than, um, I'd say, most design firms. It's me and Dave. That's it. Start to finish, we do absolutely everything in-house. So we are, we're the team behind the team is sort of how we how we see things. But that also means we don't have to scale, which is something that, I I think it's my minimalist sensibilities, but I don't want to scale out of uh, vanity metrics, say. So I don't want to have to be like, ooh, we have to have an employee. We need two. We need 10 employees because look how cool we'd look when suddenly it's <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, and, and also too, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, when you're bringing people in that the scale scales up your money too. So you can make more money from an employee, but will that bring in enough where it actually makes sense to have now an, almost an employee manager relationship, which isn't something I'm looking for at all. Like I did, I managed people in my day job, very loosely speaking. Like it was technically, I was network administrator and I technically managed people, but it's nothing like it would be running a business and actually having something that you you love and believe in so deeply and want other people to feel the same thing but you just that isn't something that can happen at least from my experience i don't it's so hard for someone else to love something you built as much as you love it that's um <laughs> that's uh really real man uh i, I well the, the point i was gonna make uh your point it makes complete sense from that angle um i've never really seen it that way but it makes makes complete sense uh i I'm very grateful that I was able to manage a team uh, very, very early on in life. I worked for Anime Expo um, as soon as I left high school, and I had to work with a team and then end up running a team when I was like 18, 19. And I'm glad I had that experience because I realized there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And the majority of people, you know, they go through life and they, you know, they, they don't have that creative drive or, you know, passion to take action like you're talking about. And if as soon as they get in a manager position, it's all about a power dynamic and lashing out on their employees because of, you know, whatever issues they're they're dealing with. And being a manager early on and then being a manager in other product uh, projects, I realized that if you treat everyone how you would want to be treated and you elevate them and you give them opportunities and you give them leeway to share their creative ideas and execute on their own visions. And you just inspire them, right? You just throw, you know, a little bit of coal into the fire and you just, you know, keep, you know, fueling that flame. Um, it's way more rewarding, way more. And, uh, you know, I've, 
I, you know, I ran this huge team back in November for Meta, and it was one of the best experiences I ever had because I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to micromanage. Um, I just, you know, I was a cheerleader for the most part. And kind of kind of doing that with, you know, I did it with Fangsters After Dark, kind of trying to go with that vision with After Dark, where there's so many talented people in this space, so many talented hosts. And, you know, I, I can see they all have, they all bring their own unique style and their own flair. I just, you know, got to give them a little bit of fuel so they stand out a little bit. And then you, I could just be chilling and kicking back in the Bahamas, um, you know, <laughs> drinking a pina colada and, 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 it's, it's kind of like, you know, just planting your seeds and then watering them. And it's a very rewarding experience uh, when you see others achieve their own vision and their own ideas. But um, kind of rolling it back, completely agree with you. Like, no one's ever going to be as passionate or care as much of about your idea than you. And I think that kind of ties, ties it all up really well. Um, I think you're right. I think... I'm right. I think if, you know, you inspire someone else and they, you know, uh, execute on their vision, uh, beautiful things can happen. Absolutely. And I feel like we're actually saying the same thing. And all I'm looking at is from an operational standpoint on my side, because what you're saying about building people up and lighting that fire and like, that's everything that I'm about to like, and I want to dive in a little more to After Dark, sort of the nuts and bolts of what you're going to be doing. But like the sure. one thing that I always look at for us is like, to me, if if I can improve someone's life, that's always a good business decision. Like, I don't care if I'm making money or if they're making a ton of money and I'm just there helping boost them. Time and time again, that has always come back to um, sort of like in a karmic kind of way. It's always come back to me. Like, it's never steered me Ooh, wrong to yep, help someone to improve yep. someone's life. Dude, I uh, completely agree. Um this, this job I got with Meta recently, it was literally because I left a good impression um, and inspired another guy several years prior. He remembered me. We hadn't talked for years. He recommended me to a recruiter. The recruiter reached out and said, hey, such and such recommended you. I was like, I haven't talked to that guy in years. <laughs> so you're right. It's a very karmic way of coming back to you. You know, if, if you're not making money now, you'll make it up an opportunity later. Absolutely. And so I want to dive right in then to uh, After Dark a little more, sort of nuts and bolts. Um, we have the high-level high level overview, but maybe how you see things starting out because you're just sort of launching now, getting things rolling. And uh, then maybe, well, we'll dive into that in a minute, but where do you see uh, things sort of starting out for you there? Yeah, so um, the basis of the whole thing is just having conversations, uh, just like you and me are having. We're having conversations um, and each person that hosts a conversation, they have a different way of talking, a different way of telling stories, um, a different way of running a space. So how we're kind of starting is we have um, multiple hosts from across a range of projects in this space that we've uh, become friendly with. And uh, they're volunteering to host their own space and tag After Dark spaces in it. Um, and what's cool about that is they all are going to start as kind of tiny conversations, but the audience is unique to each host. And then when that audience comes in for that host, they become part of the after dark audience. And then we can kind of keep that conversation going kind of like how we're, we're keeping that conversation going now since Jack couldn't make it, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's always the host available. The audience is always for the most part available and the conversation and, you know, the memes and the jokes and the inside stuff can keep, keep rolling. So 
you know, we're starting off small, but we have several hosts that are going to host their own spaces and uh, we're all going to kind of support each other. Nice. And how are you framing out then the different shows? Is it just up to the host or do you have sort of a framework of different types of shows you would like to see? I mean, I know spaces are a little different. I, I always think from the podcast side, but I don't know if you sort of think each one would have their own hook or it's really just like open-ended. Yeah. So, um, you know, coming from Fangster's After Dark, it was very, um, it was very routine. It would happen once a week, usually on a Saturday or Sunday. And then uh, we'd aim for an hour or two. Sometimes it'd go into three hours and we had some structure there. Um, but right now in the early stages, we're kind of feeling it out. Um, it's up to each host, how they want to structure their own space. Um, and the, the one like structured thing we've talked about is maybe having a big space, maybe every, we don't know what that looks like yet. If it's every week, every two weeks, every month where all of us, the whole community comes out, we talk about what's been up and, you know, if some of us weren't able to tune into other, you know, host spaces, we could be like, Hey, what's the joke that everyone's talking about? Hey, what's alpha everyone's talking well, catch me up or bring me up to speed so uh that's the that's the one thing that is probably going to be a recurring thing we just don't know um how often we'll do it yet but a one where we just show full force and everyone comes out mm-hmm. but um for everyone else it's kind of we're feeling it out we're seeing what's what works what doesn't work and um each host is gonna um you know have their own little setup yeah absolutely i mean it sounds great now do you look at this as a platform that you're going to turn into a business with like a business model behind it and things? Well, you know, um, I talked to hack hack is, uh, one of my partners in this. We talk uh, daily about this. We, and you, you kind of brought it up a few minutes ago, but we see the opportunity in, uh, different ways. Right. So, um, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not taking direct financial payment for anything. Um, but if we're, you know, we're elevating a, you know, a lesser known artist or a lesser known project and, you know, maybe we buy into that or we do some other stuff or, you know, just from, you know, forming that connection and friendship with them, we, we get value back, intrinsic value in different ways. Um, there is there is one thing that we're working on, on the back end, which is there's a lot of projects and a lot of artists that aren't comfortable with speaking in general. And maybe they have a huge project that they'd like to launch and they don't have enough money to set up a team, et cetera. And how we're kind of approaching that is, Hey, if you make a collaborative art piece with after dark spaces with, you know, our, our thematic, uh, look, it's like the red neon and black and stuff. Um, while showcasing your project, then, uh, you know, we'll put you on our Twitter page. Uh, we'll show how creatively talented you are. And then we'll uh, have a call to action that goes to your profile. Uh, and you don't have to pay us anything. Um, and it's a win-win. It gets it gets our name out there. And it kind of showcases the artist off a little bit. So um, to answer your question, uh, we don't see it being a, a traditional business per se. But um, we, we, we gain value in different ways. For sure. And I mean, it's definitely a very valuable service. Like, like you said for like the number of people I've talked to who are like, I just need a marketer. I just need someone to get me out in front of a lot of people. But I, I mean, this is my perspective because I, I think on that sort of small, I'm not looking for the pump. We like skull kids is it's no hype, no pump. Like we want people here who want to be here because they love the fruit friends, the fruit fam, like everything that they love being here and they want to own some of the art because they like what we stand for. But I know a lot of projects have gone the route of the the pumps and the things that like make people grind for allow list spots and all these different things that I think that, that is a path for marketing, if you will. But 
what you're saying is really an authentic, just a genuine marketing position and why I like, why I really like it. I mean, because it's, it speaks to me just like, just like we overlap in so many things, taking the path of supporting an artist and helping them grow is an immensely valuable service, but it's also not, it's not uh, sleazy in any way. It's not trying to game a system. It's genuinely trying to bring in an audience to someone yeah, it comes who's back cool. to that core value system I have, right? Who's I love to elevate other people and see them succeed because I'll succeed in one way or in one shape or another, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not only you know have you know bringing artists up and you know getting excited about their success, but also our hosts. There's a lot of hosts and a lot of moderators and a lot of community guys that in this space, a lot of things aren't cut and dry. A lot of things aren't clear. Um, you know, a community manager can mean one thing to one community and a completely different thing to another community. And it, what's, what's really cool about this too, is the way we're going to set it up is, you know, if a project needs help or, you know, they need someone to run Twitter spaces or talk to them or showcase some stuff, we can be like, Hey, are there any hosts available? Can anyone help? Can anyone help out Jeff today? (laughs) You know what I mean? And then, and then, um, you know, what's really cool too is, the host isn't necessarily tied to us or tied to any individual product so or project. So they have they have a lot of autonomy to still, you know, figure out what they want to do in this space while also, you know, chatting with a bunch of different projects. And then if they wanted to stay with a particular project, they could do that, too, which is really cool. You know, if the project's like, hey, I really like this person and that host is just like, hey, I really like this project. I think I'm going to go work for him. It's like, yeah, go for it, man. Like, all power to you. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it's just it's more tools in the tool belt for everyone because that is sort of like Spire is our main company and Rips. So there's Spire flipped around. RYPS is the like Web3 version of our company because it's hard to cross Web2, Web3. People get confused Um, and we're building that out more. But it's a similar position like what you're saying where I can step in and do the things that I do best. So say an artist can focus on what they do best. I mean, that's that's the position for all of our businesses is. We have a platform called Built. We sell WordPress themes in there. And it's essentially, we did all the design work so you can focus on what matters, your your blogging or your writing or creating your business, whatever it is. And that is... And, a- there's, and with our whole concept too, there's no long-term commitment on either side. Mm-hmm. So everyone can fill each other out and see what's right for them, you know? And it, it, it really helps people, you know, figure out their place in, in Web3. And, uh, you know, I don't think there there's been a group um, I see some little groups popping up now, but there hasn't been a central area for people to go, you know, have that communal campfire discussion and really figure out what they want to do in this space um, without being confused or wondering how much, you know, they should expect to get paid from a project or what project is going to, you know, pump, which project they should stick with. So there's no commitment on either side, but it also gives an opportunity for both sides, artists, developers, uh, community guys to kind of figure out what they want to do and where they want to go. Yeah, definitely. So are you, I know you've hosted some after dark um, spaces so far. Do you have any sort of schedule? Like how many uh, hosts are you expecting sort of at the beginning? Cause I know like yeah. we have, we have our very own Oppie who hosts fruit friends Friday and like, just curious what you're, uh, what you're thinking maybe in the near term. Yeah, so kind of what I was talking about earlier, where we're we're letting the hosts kind of you know determine their own little their own little niche, their own little schedule, uh, feel out their own little audience. I'm kind of in that same bracket. I've done it um, at the same time for six months 
on a Saturday or Sunday in the afternoon or sometimes um, at night on uh, Pacific Standard Time. But the few that I've hosted since we've started this, I've hosted them really late. Uh, my time. I've I've noticed. Them, yeah, like like really late because um, I think another important aspect that we didn't really touch on is, uh, you know, getting a perspective shift every so often because it helps you innovate and it helps you see more angles to things. And um, I, I never like getting caught in an echo chamber. And a lot of these social media websites kind of put you in your own echo chamber because of algorithms. And then, you know, you don't have some of those like breakthrough conversations when you're just talking to the same audience all the time. So I, you know, I've, I've been experimenting a little bit on my own. Every other host is kind of experimenting, but I've been doing it really late and I've been talking to some EU people. I've met, um, I've met like several people already that I, I would have never talked to if I hosted the spaces that I normally host um, at the times that I've been doing the past six months. So right now I'm still kind of feeling it out too. Um, but I'm doing them extremely late just to, you know, get a perspective sh- uh, change. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I usually go to bed really late, so I've seen them pop up, and I'm like, oh, this is a little too late for me. I need to wind down right now. But like you said, it's so important because everyone focuses on not everyone, but so many people are focused on the U.S. audience because there's a lot of us, and uh, I don't know for better or worse, we tend to dictate a lot of the market moves and things at times. It seems like, but there's a huge community of people who aren't even remotely on our time zone, like. Mars Dorian is an amazing artist. He's um, He contributed to our collection. Actually, yeah, Sean Kelly's in here right now. Has the one-of-one one, um, full trait Mars Dorian, which I just love. But he's German. He's in Germany. Like, I talk to him every month, but it always has to be sort of, I wake up late, so maybe noon or 1 p.m. my time, because it's late for him. And that's the only time we could overlap. So he's he's never at this space he actually does check him out later which is awesome and i like you might be listening now so hey mars (laughs) like which is like super awesome but at the same time he can't participate in these because there isn't the opportunity and i'm sure there are spaces at different times a day hosted by different people but like you're right on point like not not sticking in that little echo chamber that little bubble is so important in so many aspects just of life and um for those that haven't traveled, definitely travel. Um, yes. Before the pandemic happened, I went to Japan and I stayed there for almost a month and I didn't want to come back home. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I first got there, the literally the first night I got there, I went up to like a soda machine that had like a Dr. Pepper in it. And I was like, wow, this is so radically different. And then I started talking to people, started going places. And then I realized, you know what? The, the whole world is in America. The whole world is everyone's living in their own little bubbles and it's nice to have a perspective change. And if you haven't traveled, traveled. Um, If you can't travel, go into different Twitter spaces at different times. You really start to uh, understand that there's other ways of living and there's other conversations happening um, that are just as impactful and just as meaningful and just as exciting. Yeah, travel is such an important thing. I hadn't traveled at all till I was an adult and I had such a a narrow view of what the world was. And it's, you really, I, I'm totally on the same page. You can't get that perspective. It was shocking. It, it was uh-huh. shocking. I don't know how your experience was when you stepped off the airplane at your first country that you went to, but it's, it's like a culture shock. You're like, whoa, and it yeah. feels good. Uh-huh. It's like, whoa. It really does. And it almost, um, you appreciate it much more than what you've maybe seen on TV or on YouTube or whatever it is. Because like when you're there, you're just like, oh no, this is, this is life. Like this is someone else's life and lifestyle and experience, and, and the, all of and the, the coolest thing is we're we're living the same time they're living, you know, and we're all having different experiences. It's it's cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it really, I think travel can really help to bring people together too, because we can assume that everything is how it is and should be the way that it is, but it's o- it only is that way for us. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on, on travel. So normally around now, we uh, fire up Community Milk. So I'm going to play that little tune for you. So this segment of the show is called Community Milk. And Community Milk within Bad Fruit is just basically about paying it forward. We're all drinking the milk. We're all, Jack has a different way of saying it that's a little more uh, crude, but we're all drinking the milk and supporting one another. And this is the segment of the show where I love to have people come up and chat. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're here. But if you have any questions for Chaz and Valid Bite, any questions for me, if you want to talk about your project or what you're working on, we're just all here in this space to to build and grow together. And I see Luis is uh, requesting, so I'm going to bring him up. But yeah, like this is, this is, Bad Fruit is about the community and anyone who's who's new, like the people who've been here, they know, they know what we're about, but um, we're just about supporting one another and trying to build something great. But yeah, Luis, you're up right now if you wanted to chat whenever. Looks like you're, you're muted. There you go. What's up, guys? How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I haven't been up here in a while. Yeah, you haven't. It was like a few months, actually. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been a while. You've been busy. I mean, you've been yeah, yeah. Like going, 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 it feels like. Yeah, hey, if you at least listening. Anything, I, w- I would just be as excited because uh, you're brand new to me. So nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. But uh, no, just a quick, quick little uh, housekeeping. Uh, we do have a giveaway in the Bad Fruit Discord. If you go to the giveaway channel, it, it'll be up for another uh, 24 hours um, or less. And it's a uh, artwork by the legendary Crypto Stacy. Um, so I'll be sending that to a winner. We have uh, 49 entries so far, so good chance of, of winning that. And then I just wanted to kind of tag back on some of the things you guys touched base on, just because today something like that kind of happened to me that that's super relatable. And that is, you know, how you say you just put yourself out there with the skill sets that you learned in real life, and you just you know put it to to play in the space, and you just don't know where it leads and you know, I've been basically doing some really cool graphics and, you know, just creative like overlays or, you know, re-edits of uh, a few of the NFT projects that I'm part of that include uh, Goats and the Alien Boys. They're pretty uh, tight-knit community between the both. They do a lot of collaborations and there's just a lot of, you know, cross, uh, cross-project cross uh, interaction going on there. And I did some uh, jerseys uh, the last couple of days where, you know, you can overlay a, a Boston Celtics or a Warriors jersey to, to support your favorite team while it's the NBA finals. Nice. Um, and it's not the first time, you know, I've done these, this, these designs, but I think since I've just been constantly kind of, you know, putting in some kind of effort and just showcasing what I have, I actually got uh, sent a DM today if I wanted to be uh, more of an official role with the uh, Alien Boy ABA um, side of the awesome. project. Congrats. Yes. So it's just like you said, just you just don't know where where things will lead. You just got you just got to put put a step forward and yeah, you just never know. Yeah, I mean that is so true because like yeah, you're I mean, you're so important to our group too, so just thank you for everything you do. But like I love hearing that that yeah, putting yourself out there is getting you opportunity because that it's I said it before and like, yeah, you're calling back too, but it's just, it's so hard to take that step. 
and to really put yourself out there at times. So yeah, congrats. I love hearing that. But yeah, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's all I kind of wanted to share. Just kind of tag back on that that comment that it, it does happen, and I think it happens more often than not in this space. We just don't get to hear about it. But mm-hmm. but also here you brought up you brought up uh, your your chain of events too. You didn't just lob like a grenade of you know your skills out there. You start working on stuff. You start picking out stuff, like Jeff was saying, and then opportunity just fell in your lap. You know, it's it's that that's I think the most important takeaway from this whole space is you, you got to start you know doing things. You can't just pop things in there because um, opportunity isn't going to come to you that way. But you just got to work on stuff, and it, it, it'll, it'll find you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that cross section yeah. of your skills, and then what the market needs too. And you're putting, you're just finding that like. That Chaz, you found that cross section of community building within NFTs, and that is hugely important. And then, yeah, Luis, with uh, design and everything, it's just it's what you're already doing. And suddenly, it's like, oh, we have this new space, we have this new this new opportunity. Yeah, and, and I do think um, you know certain community certain communities for sure. You know, you can't put every community in the same basket, but at least the communities that I tend to put my energy in and, and really you know be involved and, and try to grow with um they remember you know what i mean like they remember and even if you change your pfp like i do every now and then you know they still read me you know my name's the same right but uh actually i do have two names i go by Jesus louise and in majority of the discords and then just luis angelo is my actual in real life name which is on twitter uh but they remember you know they're like oh like so this guy brought back uh a graphic i made when when alien boys first were minting last year you know it's almost a nice. like one year anniversary and then he's like throwback throwback and it's like people still remember these you know little things i did and yeah like you said just it was just a matter of time yeah absolutely yeah but yeah thanks so much for coming up and definitely yeah. congrats like i love hearing that it's just it's what it's all about and yeah cheers we have oppie up here too you can uh unmute whenever you're ready What's up, gang? How's it going? I got a two-part question for both the hosts that are used to asking questions. (laughs) I like this opportunity I got going. So it's a two-parter. It's for both of you, okay? Okay. First part is, if you could go back and talk to yourself when when you first decided you wanted to be a host, what's one thing you would tell yourself? And then the second part of that question is going to be, if you could go back, or even now, talk to somebody that wants to start up and be a host what's one piece of advice that you would give them i'll let you go first Chaz. yeah it is yeah yeah i'm definitely down um so what would i go back and tell myself when i was hosting um you know i started hosting uh during the beta period of twitter spaces and i would go back and tell myself to throw myself out there more i'm I'm already kind of throwing myself out there, but it took me, you know, a good like few weeks to get to that point. And that kind of blends into the second part of your question, which is what would I, what advice would I give to someone that wants to be a host or is currently struggling becoming a host, which is just do it. Just literally do it. Have a conversation. Um, if, if you're too nervous to host your first space, um, go to the spaces tab and find a smaller group of people hop in there. Usually the host is going to, you know, greet you and then, you know, start trying out your conversation skills and get used to, you know, <laughs> talking in front of a whole bunch of group of people. Um, it, it's, it's harder than it looks. Uh, public speaking is definitely an acquired skill. Um, I did it a lot in real life, but it doesn't matter how many times you do it. 
you always get those butterflies before you do it. And uh, this space is no different. So my advice would be just do it. Uh, try it out in a smaller space if you're uncomfortable hosting your first one. And then, you know, feel it out. And then you can host your first one. Yeah, that is so important. And that's really just in line with what I was thinking too, because I want to say it was 2014, 2015 when I wanted to start hosting a podcast. And I was just like, oh, these are awesome. They're like blowing up. It's really something. But I was like, oh, I'm too late. Like this is too late to start a podcast. Everyone has one now. There was so many people in our like entrepreneur communities that like they had shows and you already had some like the big ones like Rogan and things, Tim Ferriss, all these were already around then for years. And not starting was sort of the biggest thing for me. It it took until 2020. It was when shortly after the pandemic started, everything with um with our business has never been phone calls. Like we refused to do phone calls, video chats, anything. It was only email, only um, text or whatever, because that was that was how we streamlined things. It's the two of us. We could only do so much. But I just noticed I really wasn't talking to anyone. I would talk to Dave. I would talk to Amara. I would I would talk to people, the people closest to me. But when we hit 2020, I was like, okay, why don't I finally start up this show? And I was still like pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off until I asked an entrepreneur from my space who I've known forever. I've shot photos for him. Like I've sold his product as sort of the foundation of what I was selling for a long time in, in the like web development space. So I reached out to him and I was so grateful that he was like, of course, like, why would I not? And we had a great conversation. Like I was awful. I was horrendous at interviewing. I still don't think I'm great, but I'm so much better. Like I'm almost 200 episodes in across all three shows and I am so much more experienced. And like my, my experience is getting closer to my taste, but it's sort of, I brought it up on the show before, but it's like the Ira Glass quote that when you start off, your taste is it's, it's top notch and that's what gets you into the game, but your skill is nowhere near there. So you're always chasing that point that you hope to get to. So, but it's so important because you can't get to that point without starting. And I feel like it's such a simplistic answer, but I do think it's very important, whether it's like to tell me back five years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, whatever it was, like, just, just go, just try it out. Like, this, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I guess that's sort of what I would think too, for someone starting out now, like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, maybe you feel like you bombed. Maybe other people feel like you bombed. It doesn't matter. I kind of want to squeeze one additional thing in there and Uh then, um, I'll end it. But, um, you know, if you're asking a question, you're hosting a space or even if you're a speaker and you're asking a question to the audience or to someone individually, you got to stay engaged with them. You got to listen. You know, I mean, it's pretty easy to be distracted with all the little gizmos we have around, especially our phone. You just put it on mute, watch some TV, go <laughs> eat, go to the bathroom, whatever. But if you're asking a question, you know, that person's engaged with you and they'll know if you're engaged with them um, just by listening. Um, and having thoughtful, meaningful responses to them, you know? Yeah. And also one more then, sorry, I guess I do have more, more thoughts on this, but also you're not as the host, the show isn't about you. And I see a lot of hosts do that where they're not, they're not actually engaging with the, with the person say, sorry, I'm saying if you're hosting an interview show, because that is, that's my wheelhouse. It's what I do. But you need to be sure that you, like you remember, you're here to feature that person. So I want to lead the conversation along, but I want to make it a conversation because that's something that 
I I feel like I've sort of figured out on my show. Not, again, my show is like three months on hiatus because of everything we're doing with the bad fruit. But it took me a long time to find my lane of where I fit in these conversations to help people showcase what they're doing, who they are, and really continue to dive deeper in a way that makes them feel good. Because like it it has nothing to do with me. You could listen. I have, I don't know, 90 episodes of starting now. You could listen to the whole collection and I'm pretty sure know nothing about me. And for for better or worse, it's like that's what I want it to be. I want it to be featuring someone else. And if that's what you want, it's important to then like respect their time and make sure that they're here and getting something uh, valuable out of out of the conversation. Beautifully said. I, I agree with them 100%. I, I love it. Both the answers. I can't say it's... <laughs> I can't say I didn't expect something kind of straightforward <laughs> from both of you. <laughs> but I think it says a lot that it is so straightforward and it is something I could anticipate you saying from my end of being a host. So mm. maybe that really is just a big secret to it for people trying to try and get that sort of thing started is just make that leap. Just start. Definitely. Yeah. And I think too, with time, you start to figure out what your, what is your show? What is your style? Like, who are you as a creator, as an artist? Like, this is, there's an art to it. Like you're, you're performing like this isn't just it's not just grabbing drinks and sitting around and maybe chatting like the people listening are tuning in to to be educated to be entertained to be all of the things that we we want out of listening or watching some sort of content and it's important to to remember that but also figuring out where you want to fit in that lane because there are things such as uh goblin town spaces where people are just making goblin sounds. Granted, that's not a long-term uh, viable option, but people are having fun with it right now. And that's well, even today, I, 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 me and Hack were listening to a guy screaming for thirty minutes on a space, and we're like, <laughs> "Man, you need some water. That's not sustainable. You're gonna lose your voice, man." All he did was scream. <laughs> Wild, <laughs> but yeah, and like you, you just end up finding what your your lane is with time. That's the one thing that I'm curious about is now that I have done relentless for so long with Jack. I know my style's different. Like I, Amara noticed I tend to uh, butt in a little bit. Actually, she's up here right now. She could actually talk, but she noticed I tend to butt in when we're talking and nothing against it. But Jack is like, he's the the main character, you know? So sometimes I need to sort of jump in to, sl- to slow things down or redirect or whatever it is. But now I'm wondering how my show, which is purely an interview show, how I will run that differently. Like even this, just talking with you, Chaz, I noticed that I am so much more talkative than I ever was on any sort of like interview type scenario. Well, it, it, that, that, that's the beautiful thing, right? Um, everyone has different styles. And as Hack would say, everyone has different flavors. Um, you know, it, I was laughing when I was on mute when you were talking about Jack, because I'm kind of like that too whenever I'm in Hack spaces. Hack is the main character. Everyone's coming for Hack. They're coming for laughs. And I got to keep him on track and I got to reel him in. And it's it's part of the fun of it, though, too, that I mentioned at the beginning of this space. Uh, I, I just love having fun and, you know, speaking with different people from different walks of life and uh, different flavors. Um, so I am going to listen. I'm going to listen to the last episode of Relentless that you had and see the difference. But I bet it's it's pretty drastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a different it's a different show. This is a little more of a crossover um, between starting now and relentless i would say but um yeah and relentless is a, a very different show than starting now 
But but yeah, Amara, you're up here and you don't normally come up to talk. So what's going on? Did you just mute? <laughs> I requested on accident. My oh. bad. <laughs> not nice to meet you, Amara. How's it going? <laughs> Great. It's nice to meet you, too. <laughs> it looks so, like you're living your best life in your PFP. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I wish I was there now, but that's fine. I will live my best life as I can right now. <laughs> yeah, and you probably don't know, Chaz, but Amara is my girlfriend, and she is two rooms over, and I can hear her uh, just in the house. <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Well, I think I've seen her in uh, pictures of you um, acting goofy. I've seen some funny, you, you guys have some good chemistry. I didn't know that was the same person, but <laughs> pleasure to meet you, Amara. Um, it, look, it looks like you guys are both living your best lives <laughs> in other rooms too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually how we live our best lives is separately in different rooms. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do everything but from yeah. home. So she's in her corner. I'm in my, my little office. She's in her, her little office. So yeah, it works out. So how, long, how long have you been with Jeff? Uh, can you attest to all the things he's he shared today or is he embellishing a little bit? <laughs> I think I can for the most part. I'll give him most of those. So. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great. I, I like him. I think I'll keep him. And keep it up. Keep um, it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird because I can hear you and it's weird now. But anyway, um, yeah, six years, I think, or however, I don't know, five years. Yeah, somewhere know. around I six. I don't know. It's confusing because everything, <laughs> nothing's like a straight line, you know? Yeah. How how do you put up with, um, I would imagine, his constant need for minimalizing his life, being just, you know, completely dedicated to all these different shows and projects and just keeping his mind active? How, how do you put up with it? My girlfriend barely puts up with it. She's like, Chaz, what are you doing? Oh, my God, I need a break. I'm like, no, no, I love doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I have a similar way that I operate to Jeff where, like, once I get into something, don't talk to me for like six hours or else like I'm going to just stare at you angrily, I guess. So I was like, I'm going to hurt you. But no, I wouldn't. I would just stare at him probably. Um, but yeah, it just, he's like, he's always going and it can be like today, for instance, actually, he's just been going, going, going all day long. And like, I wanted to have like a little bit of time together and like we did over dinner, but yeah, it's just, it can be a little like, well, we both need to like slow down take like 30 minutes where we just hang out and it's just us no phones but then as soon as we do that we're just like oh wait i wanted to show you this tiktok or i wanted to show you this thing so when the phones are back and it's, it's always me because i'm like i found this really cute tiktok <laughs> um but yeah it's just fun well, sometimes that's good because i get i get into these creative um you know long hour sessions of me just zeroed in on something and, you know, even if, you know, external people around me, friends, family, girlfriend are like, hey, you know, like, look, look, take a break. Even though I feel like I don't need a break, sometimes it's uh -huh. best just to listen to someone outside of your little bubble and just be like, okay, well, maybe they're on to something. Maybe, maybe I do need a break, even if I don't feel like I need one. Exactly. Yeah. How do you and your girlfriend sort of navigate that? Does she like come over and be like, hey, you got to get up and you got to walk around or something. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. She gets in her own bubble. Uh, of course, everyone does. But if I'm obviously on a tangent for too long, she's like, well, let's go get some air. Let's go for a walk. Let's, uh, you know, let's go out. Let's, um, you know, because similar to what you were saying, it's like if we're just chilling in the living room, it's just like, well, let's put our phones down for a second. But then, you know, we have a conversation and someone asks about their phone. I, it's just the world we live in now. But um, yeah, I think. 
I think even if you don't like to be bothered, you should allow yourself to be bothered um, because it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. Oh, jinx. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is so true because there's so many things to pull our attention that it is easy just to uh, almost sleepwalk through life because there is a lot of opportunity and I love doing this. Amara loves doing the stuff she's doing. She does video production for people for social media and she teaches at Columbia College in Chicago. She she does a ton of stuff too. So we, we fit together well, but it is easy to... That, that overlap is funny, Jeff. I mean, mm -hmm. my girlfriend, uh, she is a flight sim instructor and she's doing her own thing. And, and, and I told myself, whoever I would be with in the future they would have to have their own things going on too and um, me not be the center of their world because it, it, it inspires me and it makes me want to go further and, you know, do better and make myself better and innovate and et cetera. I love having a partner that can relate to that type of journey and that type of struggle. So, um, yeah, my girlfriend's kind of in the same uh, realm. Uh, that's awesome that you're a professor. That's, that's crazy to hear. Um, yeah, my girlfriend's a fly, flight sim instructor. She she's getting her pilot's license, all that fun stuff. I'm, yeah, that's not stuff I'm into, but I'm into her being into it. So. Mm -hmm, definitely. That and I want to so touch sick. real quick on how she became a teacher because it swings back to what you were saying before about um, just sort of karma coming back, someone from seven years prior or whatever it was. Um, so actually, Amara, do you want to just tell the story of how you got the teaching gig? Sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, it was uh, just the pandemic and everybody was on TikTok and I was like, fuck it, I should make some TikToks, have fun, like teach people what I know, what I got my degrees in and make some use of them. So I did that and it just like took off and I was just talking about different history. Like I'm a huge history buff. I love and the history of literally anything. I love it. I'm all for it. Um, so I was just like, yeah, I like I'm constantly just like reading and learning all these new things. So I might as well just like disseminate information and stuff. So I made the TikToks and then I was posting them just like all over all my social media and stuff. And I forgot, sorry, <laughs> spit bubble. I forgot that I was uh, friends with one of my old like undergrad professors on Facebook. And I forgot that I even posted to Facebook. Um, and she was just like, Hey, like, I saw you posting these, like, do you want to teach at Columbia? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, just, I just said what right now, too. Like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. TikTok I mean, equates to Columbia professor? Mind blown. Right? <laughs> now, like, just, oh, just because she didn't actually go into it, it was 60-second art history. So she published essentially full lessons within condensed into an extremely quick 60 seconds all about art history so it there is a little more context but also the teacher the the people at that school just just loved you yeah i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's about well, building yeah. those relationships uh like the seven-year thing i brought up so you have you you left a, a lasting impression on this person and they always you know kept you in the back of their mind you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're all awesome. Like it's art school first and foremost. So it's just, I don't know. It's very much my, my people. Um, but yeah. And then she was just like, do you want to teach? And I was like, I don't think I can. And Jeff was very kind. He was just like, you can, you can do anything. Like, that's what I love about one of the many things I love about Jeff <laughs> is that <laughs> he just is extremely motivating and is just like, no, like fake it till you make it, which is essentially what I've just been doing with 
everything because like I've come from a very academic background so I'm not used to like hustle and business I'm used to just sitting there and writing research papers and things like that so it's been very different and very uncomfortable for me honestly for like the past year or two but it's also been extremely comfortable and probably like the most rewarding things I've done so if anybody's terrified to start anything right now, you should do it because little old <laughs> academic me did it and you can make it happen. So just I don't I don't I don't want to I don't know how long the space goes for Jeff. And maybe this this question is for another time. But I'm very curious, Amara, uh, what you think about this whole NFT space, being that you're from art history. But maybe that question's too long, Jeff. You <laughs> oh, no, it's me. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> okay, we normally right. <laughs> do around an hour, but we are super flexible. Like, we're not we're not going anywhere as long as everyone else is cool. And we'll do the sure. drawing very soon for everyone else who's stuck around for that uh, free mint. But yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep this very short. Mm. Um, I think it's very interesting. I think it's such a... Because, like, art and finances and money have been like inextricably linked for forever because if art exists you need to acquire it somehow so you need some sort of monetary or bargaining sort of thing so I think it's really interesting that it's tied more to like a more financial perspective now I don't know I just I have so many thoughts about it I'm going to try to keep it really brief but do you think do you think this is this feels like some sort of renaissance of sorts Yes, for sure. Because digital art has existed since maybe 60s or 70s was kind of like when it started, quote unquote. Um, and just seeing what it is now is very interesting and very unique. And I think like I know a lot of people don't think NFTs are going to be around for a while, but just me personally, I think they will be. Um, I don't know what that even means in the future. Um, I was actually going to be pitching a class about nfts to uh the college i teach at just to i don't know inspire people to make money somehow <laughs> um yeah I, oh my god i have so many thoughts sorry it's a little late here so a little sleepy but but yeah no worries I, I, it is one of those after dark conversations that and questions that i ponder is just how how impactful is this whole event in history going to be years from now especially because of how transparent the blockchain is and how you can trace where a piece of art is going and who created it what it sold for and seeing exactly. the journey it's just it's it's very just eye-opening exactly oh and before i worked at uh as an archivist for almost like not a decade but almost a decade um, just like through undergrad and college and everything. And that is essentially you're trying to trace the provenance of things. And it's extremely messy. Like you can almost never know the full story behind something. So I like that gets me so excited being able to know the provenance behind this work and be like, no, this person like double dick 69 owned this before like this person over here and i find that so cool because then you just you get these bits of history and that could even help like i don't know genealogy in the future like there's so many things that i feel like we're not actually thinking about for the future because like why would we how can we we're in this exact moment right now but i don't know i'm very curious to see like not only an art perspective but excuse me but just like an entire legacy kind of perspective and what does this mean for the future i don't know i i think it's really cool i'm very glad to be part of it <laughs> yeah and she has her own uh 
stuff that she's done. She has the Dowers, which is a little collection, and she's always working on uh, miscellaneous pieces and things because she's an illustrator sort of first before before historian. She was always uh, sort of on the path to be an illustrator. Yeah, I just I love the autonomy too of NFTs. Is like you just literally start an account and you draw something and you put it up there or take a photo or make a video, whatever. Like, that's so cool. It's such a DIY thing. I love it. Yeah. And it breaks down all the barriers. There's no more, there's no gatekeepers or anything because you're able to sell your own, sell your own work and it's coming straight to you, literally straight to your wallet. And yeah, I think it's very valuable. It's something we've talked about quite a bit, um, her and I, because it is, it's, it's something that is so different and unique to the time right now, but also it's history always does repeat itself in some way. So it's not, it's different, but at the same time, it's familiar. Well, yeah, it's just that like level of autonomy by the creator and the ability to kind of ask for what it is you really want and almost not like guaranteed get it, but there is sort of a higher rate of success. It seems with NFTs, at least a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's really fascinating. I think it's really neat. And it's also giving power back to the artists, um, mm-hmm. which is, I, they're not getting all of it, but you know, when digital images start coming around, uh, there was really no way to capitalize on uh, digital rights and, you know, creative commons and stuff like that. And it's, just, it's an exciting space. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it evolves. Um, sorry, sorry, Opio. <laughs> I interrupted you right when you dropped your speaker, but um, yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. No, you're you're good. You're good. It's just uh, I've been thinking of it this question for for a minute now, and sh- Amara made a segue kind of into it, but I forgot the segue. That's on me. I forget things, <laughs> but it, it's it still it still works out. Okay. So essentially, the question is, and I'd like to hear an answer from all of you, but Amara, I think will be interesting because of your background in real world art. So, do you think that somebody? could make it big here right like you're saying everybody seems to make it big here but do you think anybody's going to successfully be able to transition that into the real art world or do you think they wouldn't take something as nfts seriously and even if they do would they take an nft artist seriously i think that's such a cool question that's something that jeff and i have talked about where i don't know but that's the exciting part like the art world is very weird and icky, like the traditional art world. I really dislike it a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were there are NFTs being sold through, I think, Christie's or Subbies or something. But it's just like, it's weird to see. I don't think anybody in the art world really, like the the higher up art world, like the really like full guns blazing kind of art world. I don't think they're taking it as seriously but like i don't know it's hard to tell um yeah and i do think there's two art worlds now like it feels like sort of the you sort of said the the higher up i think you sort of meant like sort of the snooty art world of mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah the tastemakers essentially like the people who are in the positions of power and dictating certain things not necessarily like curators but specifically thinking like auction houses and people that mm-hmm. buy and sell art yeah, and I think that there is that there are those two communities now where like I wasn't really into art. Like we would go to uh, the Art Institute in Chicago and go to different history and art museums um, because Amara is so into it. But it was never something that really struck me. But I've found that I have a new appreciation for art because of NFTs. 
And I think that we're going to start to see this this blending of sorts of like sort of the modern collector, like like current day collector of different collectibles, whether you collected sports cards today or in the past, Pokemon cards, and now it's NFTs. And then suddenly it's like, oh, but I actually, I appreciate this traditional art much more. And I just, I almost see the NFT collector, the NFT community more easily moving into the traditional art space than vice versa. But I also think the popularity of something. So someone like Gavin Mueller, he's an amazing artist. He has he has more of a not like traditional, like conventional, but he is a painter. Like he's a painter first, and then he came to NFTs. And I sense that his success in NFTs will translate in some way, not to the same degree, but just in some way into his physical pieces. Because I know right now, especially for the NFT collectors, his physical pieces demand a lot of money because we already see him as like this 24 year old who is immensely successful and so talented. And I could see as more of us end up in closer, let's say to that other world that it could get a little fuzzy as to maybe even who the tastemakers are. I don't know this. You can go anywhere with this, like who knows what'll happen, but it just doesn't feel like this, the NFT side of art and stuff is stopping anytime soon. Exciting to think that someone possibly has the next Mona Lisa in their pocket right now. Mm-hmm. Literally in their pocket, in their wallet. Isn't that crazy? Wild? It's wild, man. And what that'll look like, too, because the Mona Lisa has, like, Amara would go into the whole uh, history of it. <laughs> I'll spare you. <laughs> yeah, the historicity of the Mona Lisa and why it's uh, famous, but it's sort of it's interesting, too, because in the future, say, like, right now, the Beeple piece is this iconic piece because it sold for so much for various reasons with timing and with uh, using it as a marketing tool for the person who bought it and all these things. But that has a historicity to it that is going to set it apart. But how do you actually showcase that? Like that's not at the Art Institute of Chicago. That's not in a physical space. So that too is another big question mark. Will there start to be art museums that are truly just digital art museum so it's still siloed or will you start to see them overlap in some way where when you're when you're lending a piece to an art museum you're literally lending your nft to them so you're not going to see it in more than one place just like a typical um art piece but would would someone like the art institute put that as next to one of the more famous old time artist I, I don't know i'm not sure oh absolutely i can't wait to see that i can already <laughs> like picture what that looks like because even with photography and film like those are new media and or like plastic arts or whatever but people did not want them to be in museums they were like that's stupid there's no way that that's art get that out of my face and now it's in any major museum across the country which is really cool and it's just like a different method of expression i think nfts are for sure going to have their own gallery i don't know what that's going to look like but i'm very excited i can't wait and Chaz, i have a question what do you think about uh metaverses in general like knowing that you came from meta um i don't know if it was meta at the time that you were there but um and also your experience in the space because i personally don't I don't have a connection to the metaverses. And I know like there's the Fangainer and Web3, which I think is such a cool, uh, or what is it called? World Wide Web3 or whatever it is. 
such a cool space like to play in, sort of like an old school video game. But I'm curious what your thought is of where things will go in terms of metaverses and even maybe for galleries yeah. and things like that. I think, um, so when I started working with Meta, they were still called Facebook um, up until we uh, launched the activation, which was a, a pop-up. And then they transitioned into Meta. It was a really weird time. So I got hired before they made the announcement. And then I was working with them as they made the announcement when they were switching their name. Um, I think... I think the space has a like so much opportunity, probably even more opportunity than NFTs. But it's it, I don't think it it's zeroed in on an audience just yet. I think games like Fortnite and Call of Duty are more of a metaverse than what we're currently seeing in the Web three space. Um, even the stuff that Meta is producing, um, because they already have such a huge base and a huge base that's accustomed to microtransactions and customization, etc. So. I, I think, you know, the whole space still has a lot of room to grow, um, but it's very exciting. So you, you brought up, you know, Fangang has a piece, um, I believe, in Decentraland. Um, yeah, they have like some wearables and stuff. Um, I went to a Deadfellas party in Decentraland uh, back in October, and it was a very, it was a very subliminal experience. And I didn't even have a VR headset in. I was just playing on my computer, but it was one of those things that, you just can't you can't explain or even fathom it until you experience it when everyone is kind of in an environment where everyone's partying digitally it's um it's pretty wild uh now yeah. wild good did you like it i if it, it was definitely giving me a dopamine hit so okay. <laughs> uh, I, I i i don't know if it's it's good or bad um but I think we're closer to the matrix than anyone thinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also sort of on that point too, um, what do you think about up the other side? Do you think that, um, obviously not like financial advice or anything, but do you think that they're sure. going to carve out something new? Um, yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. They, uh, you're talking about Board Ape Yacht Club, Yuga Labs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they have, uh, they have VC backing. Um, if anyone is going to do something new in the space, it's definitely going to be Yuga Labs just because of the amount of financial backing that they have. Um, what that looks like, my guess, my guess is as good as yours, but um, it's definitely exciting to think about. Um, from the, the videos, clips I've seen online, it looks very similar to Decentraland and other like MMO type games, and they're probably in a very early stage, but... Um, yeah, I, I think they, I think they have an opportunity as much as everyone else to create something new in this space. But in terms of actually succeeding, uh, I think Yuga Labs definitely has a good shot. Yeah, so much funding! It is unbelievable how much funding there is. Because it was like four hundred fifty million earlier this year from I think Andreessen, and along with everything they've earned. I mean, they have obviously earned a ton of money just from the mints, and then secondary added on on top. But um mints of the land and whatnot but yeah I'm... i do believe there's a demand there's a huge demand for a place where all this lives mm -hmm. and i don't think it's been tapped into yet open sea is the closest thing where this all lives right now but it's not even decentralized yet so uh, you know there's a, there's a huge demand for it and there's lots of competition and um, it's exciting to think about but i don't think it's there yet but we'll see yeah, and I don't even know what it could be. I think that's the problem is we really need to to branch out to to find what that could be because 
I don't like I I love hearing that the Deadfellas party was like fun or like engaging in some way that you liked it. But then it is I that does feel like sort of what everyone's doing is the Decentraland, the that space, like you said, sort of the um MMO kind of space. And I, I just wonder if someone's gonna come along, some little scrappy upstart and just completely just bypass that. Because a lot of times a lot of times we follow that path from the bottom. So I let I like to think about like Logan Paul and Jake Paul. Like they're not boxers. They didn't start and say, I want to become a boxer, so I'm going to start by fighting the people at the bottom. They're like, no, I have my platform. I am going to jump the line. I'm going to start here. And now I'm going to try to build something from this different point. Like I can go this celebrity route, but also be fighting athletes, be bringing in paydays, be helping other people. And I think there are, it's a completely unrelated example, but I think it's a good example just because jumping that line and thinking, I hate thinking outside the box because it's cliche, but really not looking at what's here, but looking at what should be here or what could be here. Just just like After Dark, like swinging back around to that, like that is an opportunity that hasn't been filled yet. You found that opportunity and now you're pursuing it in, in the way that you think fits best. And I just wonder who's going to come along, what it'll look like when we get like an actual uh, space like that. I've... I've tackled this question before when you're asking what what is the metaverse, what will the metaverse look like, all this fun stuff. But I mean, I, and, and I've answered this in other spaces too, but I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they're looking too far ahead and they're not looking what's right in front of them. And if people use terminology Web3, but they don't really associate that with like a metaverse Web3 that's happening right now. But I think, you know, the metaverse, you could argue that the metaverse is already here and we're utilizing it with Web2 tools. We're using Discord, we're using using Twitter, we're using Twitter spaces, we're using all these different things, we're using MetaMask, and that those are all, you know, elements of what a metaverse could be and probably is right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't have to be so uh, crazy and outside, completely outside have to be of what we're no that you're 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 trying to like travel to. You know, that doesn't exist yet. It's already it's probably already happening right here, and we're all part of it. You know, mm -hmm. definitely. But yeah, this has been great. Like, thank you again for uh, coming up. But actually, before I let it go too far, I need to uh, spin this wheel. Let me see that I have this right song queued up. Okay, so. We are going to spin the wheel. Everyone in the space, someone here is going to win a free mint of Skull Kids Generation. So I believe I have everyone in the wheel right now. Let me just see. Um, looks like we do. We have Luis, Alpi, Black Cloud, Amara, Hack, Conscious, Julie's still here. Yeah, Julie, Trash, uh, Adam, Sean, and XIL. I think that is everybody. Okay, so I'm going to spin this wheel. You can always uh, watch it back later on the replay tomorrow. But here we go. What do we got here? You won't believe it, but this is two weeks in a row. Julie, you just won a free mint. So you're actually going to have uh, your second one. That's, that's awesome. Like, congrats. I'm so glad you were able to tune in this time because I know the the time is very challenging for you because this is, what, probably 8 a.m., 9 a.m. where you are. But, but yeah, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. You know what? Why don't we spin it one more time? Let's do two mints. Oh, my God. You're going wild. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we got? Who do we got? And that one is going to conscious. 
So thank you so much. Like, seriously, thank you everyone for tuning in. Like, as always, it congratulations really, everybody. Yeah, it really means a lot because your time. Like, we know just how valuable like your time is, and it just means the world that you share it with us. Like, you share it with us on Discord. You share it with us here. Anyone in here right now who wants to join the Discord, it's badfruit.com/discord. B a d f r o o t.com/discord, and you can jump over to. Uh, join us and the, your fellow fruit friends. And again, thank you, Chaz. Like, thank you so much for uh, coming up, for uh, stepping up at the last minute. Like, really, it was going to be a normal episode this week, and then Jack just wasn't wasn't able to make it. So, like, I I really appreciate you taking the time and coming up here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. This was really fun. I got to meet some people. Um, that are outside of my range. Uh, congratulations, Julie and Conscious. Uh, yeah, and uh, if you guys get a chance, check out After Dark. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely check out After Dark. He's on Twitter, and you can find it all through uh, Invalid Byte right there if you click the profile. And Conscious and Julie. Julie, I still have your address from last week, but Conscious, just uh, shoot me a DM or post it in uh, General and Discord, and I will be minting those to you guys in uh, just a few minutes. But yeah. Thank you guys again, and we will see you later. Wait, 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 Jeff! Whoa, Jeff, whoa, Jeff, whoa, wait. whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> okay, so you don't you don't know about this, but this is something that that I, I wanted to do, right? Uh, or had planned, I guess. I don't, I don't know, but anyway, it's something that I feel that we should do. So I I don't see you promote the YouTube channel too often, right? Uh-huh. You should. You don't promote it too often. You should promote it more. So I think we should do a little giveaway for the comment section you're hearing it here first go down to the comment section below i want you to just drop a simple little thing for me just say what you enjoy about twitter hosts just say your your one favorite thing you you find most enjoyable about a host could be anything at all could be about any host whatever you find enjoyable leave a comment below i'll go through the comments i don't want to add more work to jeff i will go through the comments i'll add them on on a nice little wheel and we'll spin them on uh Next, next relentless, next relentless. Hey, that sounds good to me. Like, thank you. I love that. That's a great idea. And yeah, the website, the YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Jeff Harris. But yeah, if you're already watching this, obviously, you know what that is. So <laughs> anyway, thanks again for uh, tuning in and we will see you next time.